Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Conditioning Gym Podcast, formerly known as Life GPS. This is the first couple of weeks that we've pivoted and we've changed the name, but we didn't change the information. We didn't change the purpose. We didn't change the drive. We are still marching forward, but sometimes you have to make that pivot. And this is one of those situations. It kind of goes right in line with mental conditioning of why we have to do that sometimes. Why do we have to make those changes? Because sometimes it actually allows us to step our games up to be able to go to another level. And that's what I think this uh, particular change is. We actually are filming from the mental conditioning gym, which, you know, my heart is beating right now extra, extra fast to be able to come here. As everybody knows, we do have this new facility in which we are doing all of our work out of. And so when you step your game up a little bit more, all the surroundings have to go right along with it. So as we start this fourth season of the podcast, we are starting it off with an absolute bang once again. As sometimes they say, you know, when you do something nice, you got to do it twice. And we're getting ready to do that today because we have two people uh, in the gym with us today. And I'm very, very, very excited. This has been a long time in coming. We've been talking about um, getting these young ladies on the podcast for quite some time. And, and, and I'm very, very honored to have them in the building today. And I'm really ready to get started uh, for you guys to hear their story. So I'm going to give them just a real brief uh, introduction and give them their nickname like I like to always, always, always do. So today we have in the building uh, two sisters who accomplishments are, to me, very, very monumental. Um, they've really shown a great deal of fortitude, a great deal of persistence to be able to get to the position um, that they are in. And they're going to be able to talk to you guys about that. We're going to do like we always do. We're going to go through their story and allow them to have the stage uh, to be able to put that forward. So let me just uh, introduce them to you guys. We have Sharice and Janelle Sanders, a.k.a. the <laughs> Boss Sisters. They are in the building today. So say hello, ladies. Uh, good morning. Janelle. Uh, good morning. So we're going to do it like we always do it here on our, on our podcast. And then we're going to start from the top. And then we're going to rewind the tape all the way to the beginning. And we're going to go through you guys' story. So we're going to go one at a time. This is this is new for me. This is the very first time that I've actually had two people in front of me <laughs> at the same time. So I got to kind of adjust to this one as you guys are. So, um, Sharice, you can go first. Tell us exactly what you do right now. Uh, I am a lieutenant in law enforcement. Okay, great. Janelle? I'm a captain in law enforcement. Wow. So we already have something that is persistent theme. Well, we have two people in front of us that are law enforcement. Again, they are actually sisters, and they just talked about holding those positions. Those are positions, for anyone that doesn't know, that are not the, the entry-level position. They are both in supervisory positions, which hence why I call them the boss sisters. <laughs> and that is something that is, you know, to their credit. So let's let's back it all the way up. Now, let's, let's sometimes we got to get our dust brush <laughs> and, and, and wipe off some of the... Um, the cobwebs, <laughs> and, let's, and let's go back to the beginning. And I wanted, I want you guys to tell me, where did you guys grow up? Uh, we grew up in Harlem, in Drew Hamilton houses. Drew Hamilton houses. Tell me a little bit about that environment that you guys grew up. Tell me about, you know, what did it look like? What's the feel of it when you grew up in Drew Hamilton houses in Harlem? What did that look like for you guys? Well, I mean, Drew Hamilton was filled with hardworking people, but it was also filled with people who struggled, mm -hmm. people who had drug addiction mm -hmm. um, issues, and it was actually a very violent time, mm -hmm. you know, growing up. Mm -hmm. um, but we had a strong mother mm -hmm. who instilled in us um, the values in life to make sure that we would succeed. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I guess that's what brought us here today. Janelle, talk to me a little bit about the environment for you. You know, what did you see? What 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 was the effects of the, that for you? What what did you see? What just explain to me what did it look like? A typical day going outside in Harlem for young Janelle. What did that look like for you? Well, Sharice is a little uh, clouded in her memory a little bit because um, we're two years apart, by the way. Okay. People think we're twins, but we're two years apart. Mm-hmm. And we initially lived in the pole grounds and with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And then my mom moved out to Drew Hamilton on her own. But mm-hmm. we only lived there for about four and a half, five years. And then we moved back to the pole grounds with my grandmother. Okay. So our, um, like I said, growing up in Drew Hamilton, going outside, I was probably... I was about the third grade to the eighth grade that I lived that we lived in Drew Hamilton. So I guess going outside then it was the same. Believe it or not, there was a police station underneath our building, oh, yeah. and a lot of times we hung out sitting on the fire hydrant outside. It was right downstairs. My mother didn't really let us go too far, mm-hmm. so that was pretty much as far as we can go. The the fire hydrant or the playground that was behind our building, which was right adjacent to the fire department. So okay. we had the police department on the, in the lobby okay. and the fire department on the other side. And obviously the, you know, the drugs, the the, the crime, Mm-mm. things of that nature was around us, but we weren't really allowed to go too far. So we saw it. We weren't really exposed to it in the capacity of us dealing with it. But our friends, their moms pretty much you know, did drugs, they didn't work, and things of that nature. So we saw that, mm-hmm. but we also saw our mom who worked every day we and didn't, um, didn't mm-hmm. necessarily allow us mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. partake in the things that our friends were partaking in. Okay, you said a lot there. I love it. Oh. I got it. I got it. I got it. That's, I love this because we start to get the food on the plate. We're going to mm-hmm. start to eat it and sort it out. I want to get that clear now. You guys started out in the Bronx? No, no, no. The Polo Grounds. The Polo yeah, Grounds. Yeah, was we're just four. 10 blocks. It's still Harlem. Oh, okay. 10 all blocks all, north. All, all, all that's 10 yeah. blocks yeah. north. So let me, let, me, let me put this on the table and, and get this clear. When you, as you guys were growing up, did you come from a two-parent household or a one-parent household? Well, it was unusual. Mm-hmm. So my dad was around mm-hmm. up until, uh, for me, the age of 13, but I feel like, he wasn't in the household. I think he lived in his mother's house. Um, at some point, I'm sure my parents were together, but then they must have broken up. They were not married. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were predominantly raised by my mom, but mm-hmm. we knew who my dad was, and mm-hmm. we would visit him mm-hmm. because in the polo grounds, his mom lived in one building, and my grandmother lived in another building. Okay. So he was in the area, but okay. um, we didn't. Li- he didn't live in our household. I don't remember that at all. Do you? I do. Okay. Uh, yeah, see, she's a, see well, the two years makes a little bit of a difference. It's, I see that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, two uh-huh. years makes a little bit of a uh-huh. difference. So when we were living in the polo grounds, the early year, early years, like second, up to second grade, whatever the case is, our dad did live in... It was my mom lived with her mom. Mm-hmm. My dad lived there with... It was mm-hmm. like a three-bedroom apartment. Mm-hmm. So my dad, mom, grandmother, we all lived in my mom's mom's apartment. Okay. And then we moved out on our own to Drew Hamilton, and he lived with us for a little while, but then I guess they realized that it wasn't working out. That wasn't work. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He, eventually had to, he eventually had to move out. My mom told him he had to go. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, he would come down to a... Like, I remember him taking us... Well, taking me to the dentist. I remember him taking me to, um, you know, school sometimes. But then eventually he just didn't do that anymore. But we did know who he was. But mm-hmm. they, they did live together at one point. But then he moved back to his mom's house in the pole grounds. Mm-hmm. And my mom pretty much went about her business. So this is important. Let's talk about influences. 
influencing your life, what you guys painted a picture for us of having a lot of influence that you cannot control on the outside. Drugs came up. Violence came up. Those are influences that we cannot control. Mm -hmm. The influences that are close to you within the household, mom, dad, etc., whoever it could be. I want to know from each of you, what were your early influences? Who were your early influences in your life that really made an impact on you as a young girl? Should we go first? Um, influence. Um, my mom, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, she was always a strong woman. Um, stern, but strong, but very loving. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk to me about that sternness. Uh, she was stern because... I think it was just because she wanted the best for us, right? Mm-hmm. And she didn't want us to be out of control. So I think that she just instilled strength to me. Mm-hmm. I watched her, you know, go to work, mm-hmm. you know, at night. Mm-hmm. In the morning, she'd come home and sleep. So when we came from school, you know, she was sleeping and stuff like that. But she just was strong. Like, she just she just exhibited strength to me. Can you, um, can you, like, what did that look like for you? If you, when you, when she interacted with you, mm-hmm. what did that look like for you? How did that come? And again, remember, I'm not talking to Sharice at this age. Mm-hmm. For when you was a youngster, what did that look like for you when she came home and she was tired from work? Mm-hmm. How did that look for you? For me, I feel like she just painted this picture of like she was never going to give up. Mm-hmm. She didn't have an easy road. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to me at that time like it didn't affect her from moving forward. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't look like it was easy, but it looked like she never gave up. Wow. Now, I don't know if in her mind she mm-hmm. felt that, but mm-hmm. for me it just looked like she she was always moving, mm-hmm. um, never giving up, mm-hmm. and that to me was strength. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I think she's still the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, she never falls down. Mm-hmm. Um, she finds a way to move forward. Um, so for me, another influence was my grandmother, mm-hmm. who was always drunk. <laughs> I remember. Um, I loved her to death, but mm-hmm. I remember saying, I'm never going to drink because right. I don't want to be I a drunk. That. I love that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, because I wondered. Mm-hmm. You know, she was older, and mm-hmm. she always was drinking um, mm-hmm. Budweiser. Mm-hmm. And then I remember trying it, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But... um. So, and then at, at some point, I remember my mom also being, like, intoxicated mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm never going to drink because I never want to be in that stage. But um, when, when, when that intoxication came, did, were, did you see a difference, especially from your mom? Was there a difference in how she parented you under those circumstances when she was drinking? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I just remember her being, like, passed out. Mm-hmm. At times, and I was just like, "This is not good." Mm-hmm. But I don't think, like you know, I think I have so much respect for her. I never knew I to be it. disrespectful, even mm-hmm. in her state. You know, I, I never mm-hmm. knew like that was never an option for me mm-hmm. because I think she had just raised us in a certain right. way to to mm-hmm. always have respect for her. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even even though she was drunk or mm-hmm. passed out, I mm-hmm. still wouldn't be disrespectful to her. I love it. Listen, this is where we're starting to eat some of the food on the, on the plate mm-hmm. because we opened up by calling you guys the boss sisters. But we got something to add to that. We have the boss mom because she's mm-hmm. talking about that persistence. I happen to know, especially Sharice, you know, I've worked with her, and I understand that saying she has that, you have that same mm-hmm. drive of, you know what, I have to be persistent. I can't give up. 
even though the situation is what it is, you still have to drive forward. That's why I always get excited about doing these because you get an insight mm-hmm. as to I don't know why she's do why she do mm-hmm. that. Now I can see it and you can hear where it comes from. So that's an important piece mm-hmm. to be able to look at. We'll get back to that. Janelle. Um, influences. Influences. Well, believe it or not, we are uh the last two of four. Well, see my <laughs> My dad had five kids. My mom has four, but they share three. Okay. So we're the youngest two. Okay. So the influence, like, like, yeah, my mother raised us a certain way, but she also, when my dad kind of stepped down a little bit, she made my brother the dad. He's two years older than me. Very interesting. So, so my brother became the dad. Very, and very interesting. Although the streets were what they were, my brother didn't, and he was into that kind of stuff. He didn't allow us to partake in it. All his friends knew who we were. We couldn't go two Very feet without somebody saying, what y'all doing out here? Where y'all going? Uh, your, your brother know you out here? Or whatever the case is. So we knew off the bat, well, we ain't getting away with nothing. Like, like we, we, just, we just can't do it because uh, mm-hmm. they're not going to allow us. The people around us respected my brother and my family so much that they just didn't let us, even if we wanted to go down the wrong path, we couldn't. So, like her, my mom was an inspiration. She wasn't influenced because, like I said, she just didn't. Um, we saw her working. We saw like I was the one that you know she leaned on to maintain the household, so to speak. Sharice pretty much was the baby, so mm-hmm. she pretty much got to got to you know do kid like stuff. But mm-hmm. my mom put a lot of responsibilities on me, and mm-hmm. and it was like, well, no, you have to do it. It's mm-hmm. not like you don't have a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. you have to do the laundry. You have to learn how to cook. You have to do those things. And um, when she needed things, like from her friends or whatever the case is, she sent me. Like, oh, go take. Yeah, she had a job. She was never on public assistance or anything like that. But money did become tighter sometime, at of some course. point. Mm-hmm. And so she would mm-hmm. send a note to, to her friend, oh, uh, loan me $20 until, you mm-hmm. know, next week when I get paid or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. And um, the morning she had to work earlier than we had to be at school. So she would pack us up early. We would have to go to my my, my other grandma, my dad's mom's house mm-hmm. for my aunt to drop us to school, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. You would even see some people thinking that those were our uh, siblings as well because... My aunt took us to school for the longest because my mom had to be to work, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of time, ahead of the time we had to be to be at school. So until we were able to travel to school on our own, mm-hmm. she would pretty much get us up early, mm-hmm. do uh, drop us off in, in the program. She would get on the train, go to work. We would get picked up. So we saw that struggle, and um, it, it couldn't have been easy. And now I'm a mom myself, right. and mm-hmm. it's like you see these things, and I'm like, well, I have two kids. I don't know how this how lady did, did it with right, four. Right, right. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. make a whole lot more money than she did right. back then. And mm-hmm. I'm still like, yeah, this. Yes. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we owe her. Because yes. uh, it sure enough wasn't easy. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Another influence was one of my aunts. She um, she was my mom's youngest sister. And when we moved back to the program, she lived there with her mom. Mm-hmm. And I would uh, see the magazines come to, like, she dressed really nice. She worked at a bank. If I'm not mistaken, if she didn't work in a bank, she worked somewhere downtown, somewhere mm-hmm. outside of the 20 blocks that right, we ever right, right, that right, we right. ever traveled <laughs> when we were younger. Yeah. And um, yeah, so she would dress really nice. She had uh, I remember the Bergdorf Goodman um, catalog would come mm-hmm. to the house for mm-hmm. her, and I would look through the catalog and go, "Wow, this lady has <laughs> like she has it made. Like this stuff comes in, not realizing that right. oh, it's a magazine. Right, You're not right, getting right, the stuff right. in the magazine. It's just something to look at." <laughs> So she was actually one of my influences. I was like, yeah, I have to get out of here. I have to be like wow. that when I when I wow. get older. I love it. Um, mm. 
Another influence was my older cousin. She um she's about ten years older than I am, I think. Mm-hmm. And she lived with my uh, dad's mom, mm-hmm. and she um she was like one of the flyest uh, oh, teenagers, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, growing up. And mm-hmm. I used to be so excited when I would go to the house and she was there. She mm-hmm. went to college. She mm-hmm. played basketball. She actually was a cop when I was in the graduating eighth grade. She was graduating from the police academy. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So she was graduating from the police academy. Mm-hmm. I remember her coming New Year's Eve, coming in, rushing in with her academy bag because <laughs> she had to get home before midnight. <laughs> and like I said, it's like those those things that I, I saw growing up, and th- they were influences to me. And I was like, yeah, we can make it out of out of this place. We don't have to necessarily settle for becoming because in the in the um, projects I'll call them I call them that. That's all right. But mm-hmm. you see families grow up and they never leave. Yes. The kids become the adults. The adults are there. They yes. don't get jobs. They pretty much yes. go from public assistance to public assistance, and they just never get out of that rut. And it's like, well. Yeah, there's a way out. You you can get out of here. 100%. You don't have to settle for this environment. Was that? Was that? This is important. These are you give again. You're giving great info. Mm. Was that a conversation in the house about? Because I understand that cycle, the cycle that we go through of like, yes, yeah, this is fine. Mm-hmm. The next generation, everybody's mm-hmm. gonna keep you know it's over and over and over and over again. And for me, that's one of the reasons why again we do this show because we want to understand the mindset of those people mm-hmm. as well as the mindset of those that got out Mm -hmm. and I want to really slow that part down and just really take a look at that what gave you guys what made you different you talked about a few people but was that a topic of conversation in the home for mom and those other you talked about a few people that you saw like oh I want to I definitely try to do that but was that a big topic to say you know what girls this ain't good uh let's try to get out of here was that a topic of conversation or was it just more examples yeah, I don't remember it being a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, growing up, like I said, watching my mom, I just, I mean, I always knew what I wanted to do from the time I was a little, little we girl. Get into that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I feel like it wasn't, you know, we didn't find anything wrong with right, living right, in public housing. Mm-hmm. I actually loved it, mm-hmm. you know, because we had a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, like, we even moved out out of public housing and we would go back there every day because oh. we preferred that to oh. hang out there than I to see. live where we were actually mm-hmm. living that wasn't public housing mm-hmm. so I mean I enjoyed my time there mm-hmm. um, and at the time we didn't I guess you don't as a child you don't realize what it is anyway correct you know mm-hmm. you yet yeah, the house was always clean correct. we didn't have roaches or rats mm-hmm. or anything like that so mm-hmm. this was a home mm-hmm. So I don't think, you know, we found anything wrong with it. So it wasn't like, okay, you got to get out of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we just, you know, when she, my mom moved out of public housing, it wasn't an option for us to go back into that type of okay. environment. I love it. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Your brother, you mm-hmm. brought that up. I think that's that's huge. And what you said is something I think is, is a very powerful thing and almost a controversial statement because this happens a lot. Um, in, in households where the father's not necessarily there, and then it, that responsibility goes to the son, in this case, your brother. Mm-hmm. I want to dive into that. Did you feel that same sense mm-hmm. from, yeah. from him as well, that mm-hmm. he was kind of like the protector? And if, how, how how much older was he than you guys? He's two two years. years. Older than me. So two he's years. four years older than her. Okay, mm-hmm. so he was the older brother. Tell me about that feeling, because for women especially... When I've done many podcasts where we, we talk to women about what it is, what is a quality man. And one of the things that constantly comes up is that I'm looking for somebody to be 
a protector. I want to feel safe. Mm. And so sometimes when we don't have dad right there in, in the household, we kind of, especially for well, for men too, but for in this particular case for women, we don't see that example. Was your brother able to provide that example for you to say, you know what, he's showing us like, okay, I feel safe when my brother is around. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's and I mean, one. even to this day, I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, I'm 42, mm-hmm. and I had my 40th birthday a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And this was some, I did it, um, I mean, a couple years ago, not mm-hmm. months, mm-hmm. but I went, it was a destination um, mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. And all my friends came, and they were making so much fun of the fact that my brother was never too far away from me, even mm-hmm. as an adult. Oh, wow. They said, if you're looking for her, find her brother, and you're going to find, wow. you're going to find her, which means like he was almost still, even to this day, mm-hmm. as old as we are, mm-hmm. he's still like protecting us or feel wow. that he has to. Wow. You know, he has that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I definitely felt him looking out for us as wow. as young people. That's a really important, I think, piece to the the equation here when we're talking about those figures, those male figures, you know, in our lives. And kudos to him mm-hmm. for being able to step up and to, and to be able to do that. Let's talk a little bit about school. Mm. That's an important piece. Yeah. Now, you guys have a household of many siblings. As you start to go to school... What type of students were you? Oh, we were, well, I was a good student. Well, yeah, I enjoyed school very mm-hmm. much. Um, yeah, she was like a, a goody two shoes, almost honor roll all the time. Oh, like, my like, like, yeah, she was mm-hmm. an honor roll student from the time she was in probably kindergarten all the way through high school. Like, yeah. honor roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like one of those kids that um. Like, she got bored at one school, and she begged my mother to take her out and put her in a different school because her friends were there, and she was going to graduate early and do all these things. Um, I was a, a, a decent student. I wasn't mm-hmm. on a roll mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother made it known that I was, like, not the same as her. Like, she was like, oh, well, Sharice is smart. Sharice mm-hmm. does this and this. Everything we'll get into her. that. And this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I was more like, I, I'm trying. I'm just trying to keep up. It was mm-hmm. one of those, like, I mm-hmm. remember school being that way for me. And even, um, I remember being about 15. And um, me and my brother, we were at the same high school. And he... He was really smart, but he got bored easily also, and mm-hmm. he kind of like just stopped going to class. He would hang okay. out in the cafeteria all day. Like okay. We went to uh, Martin Luther King High School, mm-hmm. and um, I remember struggling like with, with math, and I, I came home, and I'm sitting there like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to fail, whatever the case is, and my mom is sitting at the table with my brother. They're playing cards or whatever the case mm-hmm. is, and I'm like, because she would try to do things to... Not necessarily gain their acceptance, but like whatever they were into, she would try to, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if it's um oh I'm gonna play cards with him because that's how I get to talk to him, I get to relate. Okay. To whatever. Mm-hmm. So they were playing a card game, and I came home from school, and um nobody asked how my day was, this that and the other. I was feeling mm-hmm. away. You don't get into this. I was feeling, I was feeling away a little bit, mm-hmm. and I go to tell her that mm-hmm. I need help, and she like screamed at me almost like, mm-hmm. well this is my time with him, mm-hmm. and um and I'm playing cards with him, and why are you interrupting me? Mm-hmm. And I remember I got so upset that mm-hmm. I like pretty much wrote out a letter, mm-hmm. and I was bashing her in that letter. I cursed her out. You I was using all sorts, of, <laughs> all sorts mm-hmm. of language that I, I would mm-hmm. never say, but I was just so upset, and I pulled it up and I left it. Mm-hmm. And she found it. Mm-mm. A couple of hours later, she found it, and I left. And I actually went to go see my dad across the way because it was the next building over. Mm-hmm. And within maybe 40 minutes of my visit, my brother came storming over and he yanked me. I had to go back home and why would I write that? Why did I hurt her? Like, he went off. Like, But you didn't intend for her to actually see it? 
I can't say that I did or didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I left it there. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's supposed to. I don't. I don't. I don't really remember if that mm-hmm. was my intention. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care that she saw it at that wow. particular moment. Wow. But mm-hmm. um. So, like I said, my school experience was a little different than mm-hmm. theirs. I always felt like I'm the middle child. If you haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, so, we're gonna get into that in a minute. We're so I, I, at that particular mm-hmm. moment, I mm-hmm. kind of felt like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, nobody cares, and so what. But um. I still knew that I had to go to school. It wasn't like I had the option of doing what he did. Like, mm-hmm. even with my friends, like, high school, it was, like, a new experience for us. We left out of um, the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was more like, all right. And my friends, I remember saying, oh, let's not go to school till it. Let's, let's, let's. And I was like, nah. I can't do that. <laughs> can't, can't play those games. Uh, I'll see y'all later. So my friend group kind of dwindled. That's when my friend group yeah. kind of changed. It yeah. went from... The people from around neighborhood to outside uh, outside people who lived outside of the neighborhood mm-hmm. who came from different different backgrounds and things of that nature. Because mm-hmm. uh, the kids from the projects weren't uh, they weren't really trying to go some, nowhere, mm-hmm. and I couldn't afford to make have that my, mistake. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't be like I'm not going to school. I'm going to go smoke with y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not happening. So uh, mm-hmm. so we kind of got a piece of what it is, but I'm gonna let you mm-hmm. I'm gonna let you get on the mic for that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Tell me about school. And school for you. I love school. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it very mm-hmm. much. I can see um, your sister looking like, yeah, can you I, believe this? I enjoyed <laughs> going there. Um, I enjoyed excelling. I had um, all my friends. We all had the same classes. Okay. You know, you know, mm-hmm. in elementary school, you follow the same group until you get to junior high. Yes. Junior yes. high, you get you get yes. some of the groups. So yes. I had, like, my same friends all the way through from elementary, uh, some of them through high school. We all went yes. to the same school. I mean... One year of high school, I went someplace else, and then okay. I said, hey, I want to go back okay. to their school. Okay. Um, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find it challenging. Um, it was fairly easy. It, was, it wasn't It was easy, mm-hmm. but I guess a little bit of a challenge excited me, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And so I, I enjoyed it. Did you find that you had to study hard or was just naturally come to you to work? I think most of it, things. it was just as natural that it came to me. Like, I, I mean... I mean, I'm sure at some point I, course, I had some difficulty, yes, but no. it didn't seem like a, a struggle. Like I would come straight home from school and do my homework um, every single day. Like, and my mother never had to tell me, "Did you do your homework?" Um, I just did it. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. I didn't want nothing lagging. So, did you did did the school come with ease like that to you, or did you find that you know I got to work a little bit harder? Sometimes that happens with students. It wasn't. And, that I had to work harder, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was a straight A student either. I, I settled for eighty. I was just like <laughs> that's a key word. Was it more that you was okay with just having an a? Like you probably could have done a ninety, but you was like, I'm fine with an A. It's no big deal. I was that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as I as long as I wasn't failing, I was fine. Well, <laughs> well listen, with me and you got a lot of comment there. So, but you, if you got a seventy five, that yeah, would be I an wanted, issue. Yeah, I wanted the ninety. Okay, perfect. So. There's a great undertone here. <laughs> and it's funny, if you look at my book, the longest question that I have is this one. Oh. I've been waiting to get to this one. <laughs> this is important because it really sets the tone um, for you guys and, and how you grow up. And I, I, didn't, I didn't even consider that you had other siblings as well. That's a big influence on mm-hmm. our lives. Our parents is a great influence, and I love that you guys said that your brother was is a great influence. But you two guys especially is for lack of a better term, for any siblings, there's a certain rivalry that goes on. Mm-hmm. That can be good, that can be bad. How did you see that growing up? Was that something that 
pushed you more? Or was that something that frustrated you? Let's, let's stick with the school for a second. In school, when Sharice is coming home, and I can see it. Because you know, I know how that is. One kid is coming home, you're like, damn, you know, I just... I study kind of hard, still got a 75. It is what it is. I passed. But here comes Cherie's like, <laughs> you got a 95, Ma. And you're like, she just shut up. You know what I mean? And then I'm sure Mom is like, oh, great. And you're sitting there like, you know what? I just cleaned this house. And you said that earlier. We're going to get into that too. You just talked about that earlier. And that was one of the first things that you mentioned. For you, your job was Janelle. And, and listen, I need you to make sure these dishes is washed and blah, 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 blah. And I know how it is. When mom come home, if that stuff is not done, she wasn't going over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sharice, go relax. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> you know what the hell's going on here? Pretty mm-hmm. much. What's going on here? These dishes are not washed. Tell me how that. We're going to start off with you with that. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'll get to you. What did that do to you in terms of your drive did that push you harder did it get you more frustrated did you did it get you frustrated with your sister how did that how did that go well it depended on the mood sometimes i didn't mind doing that stuff anyway Mm -hmm. it was more so if like if i was in a bad mood and she would just like sometimes she would have this thing where she would just push the buttons anyway Mm -hmm. like it was one of those things i remember um when we were younger, my dad, he didn't live there, but it was like money in the house. And he came to the house and we weren't supposed, my mom was at work and we weren't supposed to let him in without her knowing. Mm-hmm. But he's dad. Like, like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, we let, one of them let him in and there was money in the house and he took it. Mm-hmm. And she came home and she found out that, um, that he was in there and she came after me. Mm-hmm. So I got in trouble for it. But you wasn't the one that actually let him in. I, I don't think so. But okay. she, mm-hmm. I, I, she, my mom says I look like him. I'm the one that <laughs> <laughs> we look alike. We don't think we look alike. But my mom will tell you okay. Sharice looks like her, and I look like my father. Yeah. If, any, if anybody meets her, that's yeah. the first thing I'll come out. Yeah. But anyhow, mm-hmm. so I used to think that whatever she couldn't do to him, she would take it out of me. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this particular time she um she blamed me for it so i got beat for it mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. and instead of sharice you know consoling me or saying you know whatever she came and now she wants to tease me about it mm-hmm. well i was so upset that i shoved her i mm-hmm. pushed her like really hard as hard mm-hmm. as i could mm-hmm. and i didn't think anything of it i thought she was just gonna like fall into the, mm-hmm. the floor whatever the case was but she happened to make connection with the wall the corner of the wall okay <laughs> and uh and I, I, like I said, I didn't intend to actually hurt her. Mm-hmm. It was just like, leave me alone. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. And I pushed her, and needless to say, she ended up with a busted head, a head gushing, and she got had to go to the hospital. Oh, she man. goes running to my mom. My mom's on the phone. She freaking freaks out. And I'm like, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but yeah, she came back from the hospital with about six stitches in her forehead. And, uh, and, <laughs> and I was pretending to be sweet because I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> but pretending to be sweet didn't work. Mm-hmm. But uh, wow. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so things like that. So normally, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't take it out on her. It was like, yes, yeah, my sister, like whatever. Mm-hmm. I had the issue with my mom, not necessarily with anybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was like I knew what it was. It's almost like you know, yeah, I know I'm the the, the I'm the least favorite or whatever case is. Not that she treated me badly or anything like that, but I'm not her person. Fine. So I go through life not okay with not being someone's person. And that's pretty much how I okay. adapted to it. Perfect. Moving forward, is that something that you believe is still in your mindset when you deal with people? Um, I'm more accepting of, like, like some people 
take those experiences and they make like, no, I have to make them like me. I have to make Correct. them accept me. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Like, whatever. Like, I've been yeah, through that. Like, like, like yeah, mm-hmm. been there, done that. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to treat people the same way. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm welcoming to it, but in the event that you give me the cold shoulder or you don't like me or whatever. You don't really care. All right, yeah, life goes on. Nice, <laughs> nice knowing you. So those of you out there that I have dealt with Janelle and you... <laughs> You just got your explanation as to why she just didn't really care if you liked her or not. Sharice, did so you for feel me, that? Did you feel that? Being I the did. Baby? Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm I'm always referred to as the baby because I was the youngest, right? And out of the four, my mom only has one son. So um, everybody says, oh, you're, the brother is the favorite because he's the only boy. Okay. And you're the favorite because you're you're the youngest. And so I felt that, like, at times, I knew my sister loved me, but at times I said she doesn't really like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I could tell by some of the experiences and some of the actions that, yes, yeah, she has to deal with me because she has no choice. But if she had a choice, she'd probably leave me off to the side. Mm-hmm. But then there were times where I say, okay, she really cares for me. Like, she took care of me. She did, you know, she used to comb my, my hair was very nappy and mm-hmm. it was very long. Mm-hmm. She used to comb my hair mm-hmm. going to school. And people who don't like you wouldn't do that you know who who don't want you to look presentable going out the house they would just leave you of course you know out there right but there were times where i said you know what she probably really doesn't like me and i did pick at at her i did it a lot on purpose i don't think it was on purpose Mm -hmm. but i what happens is with people is when they realize that something annoys you they're going to do it more because they figured that out that Mm -hmm. what you're doing annoys them Mm -hmm. so i think at times i could tell there were things that i would do to her that would you know, I'm pushing the buttons, but she allowed the buttons to be pushed, and so I kept going until you know the, I so got six got stitches to, to, to right, show. Right, yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. so at times I would do that, but mm-hmm. there was nothing. Um, although we would have those struggles in my mind, there was nobody who could come from the outside and get in between that, which I found to be very important. Okay, so I, I love that. This is an important piece. So you're saying, no matter what happens, it was clear. This is my sister, mm-hmm. and no one else can come in between mm-hmm. that. Especially with all, even all of the siblings as well. You know that camaraderie mm-hmm. and that family sense was strong, mm-hmm. even with mom, and, and even the you know favorite possible favoritism, mm-hmm. even with mm-hmm. mom. That influence is always strong within the household mm-hmm. to be able to push forward. As far as goals, did you did you sense? Did you push each other? Did you ever feel like, yo, this girl keeps getting these freaking 90s. I got to try to match that. Did you ever feel that? No, I was on, mm-hmm. like, it was more so I just don't compare myself to other people. Mm-hmm. If it was what, mm-hmm. if it was good enough for me, it was good enough for mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. I would always say that things came easier for her because I did it first. Like, I was like the guinea pig. Mm-hmm. So I would do it, and then I would kind of wow. show her the way. Wow. And it's not necessarily that she couldn't have found it on her own or mm-hmm. if, you know, or, or it wouldn't be that way anyway without me. It was just one of those things like, well, yeah, if I did it and I knew the way, I would show her. Well, mm-hmm. no, like, no, you just do it like this. And mm-hmm. it's, it's way easier. Mm-hmm. Whereas I didn't have anything or anybody in front of me kind of... Like, my brother was there, but he was on a different path than, mm-hmm. than we were. Mm-hmm. So, like, going through life, it was pretty much like I did everything first. So, okay. I was like, yeah, I did it. And, yeah, it's okay. It's not bad. Just do, just do this and, and you'll be okay. And she would come to me with certain things, but mm-hmm. then I, I would... Quickly, like no, no, no. It's not that serious. But if you just do X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. you'll be fine. Boy, sister just came into my mind. (laughs) He really did because that's a piece um, that is important. And Sharice, did you did you see it that way as well? To where it was kind of like, yo, that's my big sister, and I'm looking at her path. 
And as she's opening those doors, did you see it? Did you consciously see it that way? No. I think I just was doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's older, so she's going to get to high school mm-hmm. ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll start her career ahead of me. But I think I was on my on my own path. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that we end up doing some of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see it as easier. Mm-hmm. I just seen it as doing it, if that makes any sense. Did you have conversations with her about something that maybe she had done before? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And I still do it now. Right, right, right. Um, mm-hmm. I think even now, like, we still, there are times that I would have done something first or she would have done something first, and I think we still consult with each other mm-hmm. um, for those tips on how to, you know, better accomplish whatever it is. Let's talk about goals. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned earlier, and we're going to push back and get there, that you say you knew what you wanted to do from a very, very early age. Mm-hmm. What was that? Be a police officer. Tell me about that. How did you get to that? Because that's in itself, and again, that's a part of this show I think that's very interesting. Um, that's not normal. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not normal that, you know, most kids who come from where mm-hmm. we come from that would be saying, cops, like, usually. Yo, I want to be. That's very, mm-hmm. I, you had told me that before, and I was kind of like, Really? <laughs> and I didn't think, you know, that's just not normal. We we do when we're young, we play the normal when very young cops and robbers and you mm-hmm. see you want to be cops, but that changes very quickly. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Where did that come from? I was always fascinated with cops. Mm-hmm. Um, I always looked to them, like looked up to them without them even knowing. And we had um, in that when we lived in Drew Hamilton with that police station underneath us, there was a cop who worked there. Mm-hmm. And even though he turned out of there, he would be at the polo grounds. Okay. You know, so this was like his base, and then they would send him on his assignment. And I would talk to him every day that I seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Officer Graham was his name. Wow. Mm-hmm. And uh, tall, tall African-American man, mm-hmm. and he was just always so pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would talk to him about everything. He would play with me. Mm-hmm. He'd have a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. He'd ask me how school was. Like, mm-hmm. he was just, like... A fun cop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I grow up, I said, I'm going to be just like you. Mm-hmm. And I stuck with it. I used to watch cop shows on television really? uh, every mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. from school. Mm-hmm. In elementary, it was called Hunter back mm-hmm. then. That was the only cop show on TV, but I would watch I that every that single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated with police work. Wow. Always, even now, even though I'm in law enforcement, like at times I'm still fascinated with the stuff they do. Even wow. though on TV, I know this is not the way it works. Correct, correct. But mm-hmm. I still watch cop shows. So yeah, from from that very young age, very I, I stuck with it. I knew I wanted I had to get a college education, but I knew that's so the even career. Even through those schooling years, those young school schooling years. That was still kind of like, yo, I'm going to be a cop. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I'm going to Even in that. college, everybody was so alarmed by what I was saying. Yeah, it's a very Everybody's usual. like, what? Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a cop. Wow. That's a little, it's a little unusual. <laughs> you going to look at that a little more. Janelle? Tell me the question again. Oh, <laughs> did you start to know as a young, when did you start to know, okay, this is what I think I want to do? Because Cherie said earlier, and that wanted to come oh, back. She I, said, I had no it? idea. Okay. I, uh, I mm-hmm. wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. I so, cop to... was not, we're not going to well, understand. Well, it wasn't necessarily a cop. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer for some reason or another. And I started to, um, I was like part of a law program in high school. And like, but it was weird because nobody told me what came next. Like, after high school, I had no idea. Like, I, I just didn't, I just didn't know what was next. And one day, um, they were doing like a college fair in the school and I remember 
going down to the gym. That's that's where they had it at. And John Jay was one of the schools. And they were like, by then you should have taken uh, the oh, the SAT. Oh, oh. You should have you should have done everything. Oh, right, and, right, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. it was like March of right. uh, of right. my senior year. Right. And they were like, oh, what you, what school are you going to? What school are you applying to? I'm like, applying apply nowhere. What are you talking about? Right, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said, well, you can apply now, but you have to give us a money order for $40, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, all right. So I go and I wake my mother up and I tell her I need a, bun- a, a money order for $40 for college application, whatever the case was. Of course, she was pissed off because I woke her up and mm-hmm. was like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, but, but they said I have to go back. I have to bring it today. Like, like, so that's how I ended up in John Jay. And um, I ended up going there. I applied to John Jay on the spot of the case. I, like I said, I had decent grades. I wasn't like an honor right, student, right. whatever mm-hmm. the case is. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so that's how I ended up at, in, in John Jay. And one day... Um, Recruitment was in the, in the building. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I was eighteen. I was eighteen at the time. <laughs> so um, yeah, so recruitment was in the building. At eighteen at the time, I took the test, and by the time I was ready to graduate, I had already went through the entire process, and um, I came. I became a, a law enforcement officer. Did, did you know about Sharice's passion to do that? Um, I knew that she liked. Uh, cops. I knew she want. I don't know. If I knew she wanted to be a cop, but I knew, like I said, she would pretty much come home from school at three o'clock, turn Hunter on, watch Hunter. Oh, oh, really? mm. oh really? And oh, it got really? to the point. Yeah, like we'd be outside, and the, the we lived on um, a busy block, and the police were always pulling people over there. Mm-hmm. And as soon as those lights came on, my mother screamed to the house, "Sharice, you're on duty! You're on duty, Sharice!" And she would mm-hmm. come running through the house, mm-hmm. go out on the fire escape, and watch the entire Is that interaction. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Watch the entire interaction <laughs> with the police from start to finish, mm-hmm. and that would be her thrill for the night. So every time you saw the the sirens or, or whatever, the lights on, she was investigating. Yeah, Sharice was on duty, and she was watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching the whole entire That's interaction. Funny. But so, you didn't share that. No, it, we didn't talk about that because that, that, by then she was away to college. Like I was in college two years already. She had went away to college. Okay. So you know I would uh, go up to visit her from time to time, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like we spoke about oh what's what are we gonna do when we, when we finish. It was mm-hmm. the the most we were gonna do was move in together to get away from my mother. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that was the most we had planned to do as far as our future. But it wasn't mm-hmm. like oh yeah we're gonna be you know these, these cops or we're gonna go into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But we pretty much did have the same job from from the time we were working. Like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I worked, we worked at the supermarket and then I worked at one downtown. She came got, to work who, down there. Who started first at, at those jobs? I, I she did, did yeah. Mm-hmm. But um but I was older. So yeah, like I was I was 17. I worked at the supermarket downtown. She she begged the guy up the street to give her a job even though she was only <laughs> she was only 15 and a half. So mm-hmm. when she was able to get a regular job, she came to work at the supermarket I worked at and then she met people who went away to college and came back to work at the store like mm-hmm. on during the summer breaks. So that's how she figured out where she would go to school at. When you when you went to college, you went away? Mhm. Good. Yeah. So that that experience of being able to go away, talk to me about that. You know, how did you? A lot of kids when they finish high school, especially again coming from where you guys come from, that's an overwhelming experience. Mm-hmm. That's your first sign of independence. Mm-hmm. Was that an issue for you? Some some people even a student all the way up into college. Now when they go away to college, that becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. This is great responsibility to. Did you go away to school? I didn't. I so, so that was not the. So you didn't have that example. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like on you. So you can call Janelle. Like, Yo, I'm up here, and this is kind of different. 
Was it an adjustment for you? Oh, it was. Because mm-hmm. um, I went to um, Binghamton. Um, oh, really? And mm-hmm. <laughs> if you've ever been up there, Binghamton mm-hmm. does not look like New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went there, I mean, even the African-American population on the campus, I mean, you can pick us out. Um, mm-hmm. That was, you know, I'm familiar something. with the school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, I mean, I think now it's a little bit better. But mm-hmm. back then, I mean, you can... We all stuck together because you mm-hmm. can pick us all out mm-hmm. across the campus grounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was different. Mm-hmm. But when, when I went there, I went into a program that helped. It started me the summer before just to give you, um, you know, um, a chance at, you know, understanding what college courses look like. It was the Educational Opportunity Program. Mm-hmm. EOP is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they bring you up there. Um, they they let you do some college classes just to get you acclimated to the university mm-hmm. um, before you come up in the, you know in the mm-hmm. fall as a get new your student. Feet wet. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I did that. You know, you meet some friends. You know, because everybody's coming up from the inner city, and you meet you know people throughout the summer. So when you come back in the fall, at least you have a little bit. You know, you got some friends that you may know uh, that'll make your transition a little bit easier. But I was no A student my first semester oh, okay. uh, going into Binghamton because mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was I was stupid. I mean, I had the same Correct. knowledge. It was Correct. just a different type of knowledge. I had to apply myself differently, mm-hmm. which I quickly picked up mm-hmm. um, after that first semester at party. You know, I was like, oh, we're here on the campus. We go to all the parties. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I got them grades, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and right. so I got my stuff together. But right. that first semester was, was a lot of fun, but mm-hmm. it was rough. Mm-hmm. What did your mom say when... when- those grades was presented. I mean, I, she gave me a little bit of slack. She said, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different experience. It's mm-hmm. an adjustment. But next semester, you can't have these same grades. And I didn't. Um, and then I also was taking classes that I had no business in. Like, right, right. you know, like, and that became an adjustment. Like, you were here picking your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Versus before, somebody would pick the stuff for you. Correct. You know, when you're in high Correct. school, you're, the classes are the way Correct. they are. Here, I'm... Correct. I picked up, um, I said, oh, I want to learn to play the piano. Right. Piano is one of the hardest things I've ever right. trying to do. And right. I said, what was I thinking? Because right. I'm picking stuff just because I, it piqued my little interest, but not for no college course. Right. But for one, you're paying for it, and mm-hmm. for another thing, it's going to affect your GPA. So I quickly got out of piano, mm-hmm. and um, I figured out my way. And then when you when you came, at, at all this time, you're still thinking. Oh, the whole cop. way. I mm-hmm. wanted to be a cop, mm-hmm. and I took the test. Um, I took the test while, like, I think in high school or something like that. And then um, either I was, like, 18 or 19, and then they called me to say, oh, you know, you passed the exam. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start the process. And I said, well, I'm going to finish college because although I know you don't need a college degree to be a police officer, I, I wanted to have a college degree just as a backup because I ultimately wanted to become an FBI agent. That was, like, you know... Mm-hmm. That was like my next thing. I was going to join the police department for a couple of years to get some experience. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. So I took the test. And then while I was in college, I would come back and do the different, um, you know, you have to do a psychological exam. Yes, and, yes, yes. You know, things like mm-hmm. that. So throughout my four years of college, I would do, you Those know, the stuff steps. that was required. Okay. And so when I graduated college in May, I actually had all my stuff complete. I had the academy begin in July, two months after college. And, and you were already in? I was already on, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's look at that now. Let's look at this process of becoming police officer. So for you, it's going to be a little different because <clears throat> you didn't necessarily have that, oh, I want to be a cop. No. Oh, I want to be a cop. 
So when you started the process, was it more just to say, well, this is kind of here. I'm kind of falling into this. Well, that's how I that's how I got into it. But mm-hmm. then once the once it became once it re- once I realized it was going to become a reality, it was sort of like yeah, I could I could do this. I'm I kind of thought I was going to do undercover work. I remember being mm-hmm. at my job at the supermarket. I worked in the office upstairs. I was like the bookkeeper, mm-hmm. and I would like kick the door, pretending that I was uh, <laughs> that I was doing the search warrant, <laughs> and I would kind of like kick the doors <laughs> and say, uh, you know, I would do the whole please don't whatever. Yes, mm-hmm. but uh, and people would like laugh. It was like a, it was sort of like a joke. But um, but yeah, even when I would tell people, they would be like, "What, really? Like you're so timid, you're so shy, you're uh, you're, you're kind of small. Yes. How are you gonna be? Yes, how are you gonna be a cop? Like you don't mm-hmm. shouldn't you be a little bigger than that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, they said that I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so uh, so yeah, it became like it, it started to become a reality. And like mm-hmm. I said, by the time I finished the process, I actually left my last semester of college to come on. And um, my mom was was a little mad, but I said, "Well, I, I said, this well, is this is yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'll go back, and, yeah. and I did. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. So by the time I, my 22nd birthday, um, three you months later, I was a police officer. It, did you now? How did you feel about that, knowing that she was in? I mean, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. I said because at least I have somebody that knows some stuff already. Correct. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. She knows how things work already mm-hmm. so i i did have a resource already that she had just already done this mm-hmm. and so i had somebody i could ask questions to that already been through the process we're going to talk a little bit about what i think a lot of our listeners in general especially non-law enforcement people some of the common questions that they're going to have and this is i think this is also important and it, and it's good because i have two different perspectives here in a certain sense you know janelle is saying well you know that's not necessarily something i was you know, thought about doing from a youngster, and Sharice is saying, "Yeah, I kind of thought about it from being a youngster." When you actually got on the job, was there a change in the mindset of what you thought about the job before you started? We have we mm-hmm. have our opinions before we mm-hmm. actually stand there and get sworn in, mm-hmm. and then you get sworn in <laughs> after a few years. I know for me, you know, it changes. <laughs> you know, you just mm-hmm. it, it, just the outlook on it. You know, why I didn't necessarily think it was going to be that way. Mentally, you have certain mm-hmm. expectations. Anything that we do, you have mental expectations of how you're going to navigate through. Mm-hmm. Once you came on the job and now you're working within the actual barrels of the job, did that change or was it as expected? I'm going to go to you. can go mm-hmm. for it because you really had great expectations from birth. Mm-hmm. Almost. Mm-hmm. No, it was definitely, of course... It wasn't anything like I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I still enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but it was nothing like I anticipated. It was disappointing? A little bit of it was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. You know, because you watch television. You know, I'm getting this perspective from television. Right, right, right. right? So and right. in television, a crime happens, and by the end of the show, right, they right. got the bad guy. <laughs> right, right. I mean, all in a day's right, work. Right, right. And then when you get on here, I mean, I knew it didn't work like that. Right. But, like, there were so many things that it was almost like, how could I have been fascinated with this? Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but it also, but I also felt like, you know, there's a need for me to be here. Yes. And that's what I have to make the priority. Not yes. what I thought things would look like yes. before coming. Now that I'm here, I know that I have to be here to let people see me. Yes. And be a little bit more comfortable. Yes. With this. Yes. You know, and so that became like my envision then. Yes. But it was, this is nothing like what I, what you see on television. That's for sure. That is for sure. (laughs) 
you know? Well, I didn't really have an expectation. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was more like this is what this these are the cards I'm dealt. Deal with them, make them better if you can, mm-hmm. and find what works for you. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much the approach I take to um to the job in and of itself. You you touched on this a few minutes ago, and this is also very important. Clearly, you're both women. Tell me about that. Is there a struggle with that? You talked about going into the academy like, small, you're going to do. And and your demeanor, oh, you know, most men don't necessarily, it it may be a a man that's physically small, but men don't necessarily get that um, assumption like, oh, you know, your demeanor is no good. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as a woman, a lot of times people will just assume that incorrectly. Oh, you know, how are you going to be able to handle that? Did you feel that? Did you feel that as a woman, there's a little bit extra that I have to do to be able to prove that, you know, yeah, I belong out here. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel that? Um, Not initially. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't because I believe it's the way you carry yourself. It's, you know, like, yeah, anybody could get the, the jump on you. They can get the jump on of a course. guy if, yeah. if they, you mm-hmm. know, if they, if they play the cards right. Because mm-hmm. most of the time you're dealing with somebody who already know what they want to do. Yes. And you may not be aware of everything you're dealing with. So... The idea is just to act quick. That, that that's just my approach on everything. Like, mm-hmm. Whatever I gotta do, I gotta do it quick before they realize what they really are mm-hmm. up against, and mm-hmm. maybe try to um, maybe try to to take their chances. So, from the standpoint of your peers, not the people in the street, um, did you feel that pressure? That oh lord, mm-hmm. I'm in the car with me. Did you um, feel that initially? Yeah, mm-hmm. but it didn't take long for the guys to figure out that I'm probably not that than person. Them. I got you. Got you. For me, I mean, I was I was a lot smaller than I am now, and so, um, I mean, for she, my listen, ladies and gentlemen, she's not a big. Woman. I'm not a big person, <laughs> but I mean, when I started, I think I was 107 pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. right, it's thin, very mm-hmm. thin. Um, I didn't feel like I could take on the world mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, and I know people probably looked like, look at this, you know, little person. I mean, they might have whispered, right. you know, things, you know, but nobody said anything to my face. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think it's all about, like, your your presence and mm-hmm. how you carry yourself, whether mm-hmm. or not people will respect you, even your peers. Mm-hmm. Um, not even the, forget about the people in the street. Correct. I think how you, Correct. How you present yourself to yes. them, yes. Um, the people that you work with, is mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to respect who you are. I I totally agree with that. And once you guys got on the job, you started to move up the ranks. Tell us about that mindset. When you came on the job, was that something that you initially thought about? You said FBI. You didn't, I didn't ask you, but is that something that you initially thought about? Like, you know, I want to be a supervisor on this job. Was that that something that you thought about or just kind of developed as you got on the job? Yeah, for me, it developed. I, I didn't want to be a supervisor. I was okay just being a police officer. And for you? It wasn't an initial thought, but it didn't take long for me to realize I couldn't stay a police officer you for the to. entire uh, 20-something years that I was going to be on the job. What Now, was that an influence now? As siblings, as sisters, did you take the, the exam first to become a supervisor, or you guys took it at the same time? Uh, I took it first. Mm-hmm. Was that an influence on you? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you have to have a certain amount of time before you can take it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when she, she took her first one, I didn't have enough time mm-hmm. to take it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was not like it was still not an option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the next one 
came where I could take it, I was like, well, I guess I'll study. And then I was like, I don't know, like, I don't really want to study. So I went back and forth with it, but I ended up doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to be like, I'll give it a shot. But let me guess, you got you, you scored very high on the exam. I did. See? <laughs> I'm sitting here, even I got a little offended there. Like, uh, I, I don't I really want to do you know, it, but I didn't. I didn't score very, very high. But I was in my first group off of my exam. Wow, impressive, impressive. Supervisory, same thing. As you get on this job in any position, of being a supervisor is very challenging, and it takes mm-hmm. great mental strength to be able to do that because you're in charge of other people. And it's an extra element here, and this is another important piece for me that I want to get out to all of the ladies listening to this show of any age, of any race. This is important because you know women have a hard way to go. We mm-hmm. just getting we're in at the time of this recording, we're celebrating women this month, and it's very difficult, you know, as, as sometimes as men we take it for granted. Because the truth of the matter is, if, if a man walks into a room as a sergeant, there's really not much thought mm-hmm. of a sergeant is here. If a woman walks into the room, just the fact of the matter is that there is a, th- mm-hmm. what is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What's going on here? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, it does that, this is important, does that affect how you walk into that room? Because sometimes it may make you say, "You, I know that's what they think." So this, I'm gonna walk in here. I'm gonna look at mm-hmm. everybody down, even though that's not you. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to protect yourself from them looking at you like that. Mm-hmm. I think this is something that people need to. This is something that not only do the regular public need to hear, but people who are in law enforcement need to hear. You know, how, does that really a thought in your mind as you're walking into that very first roll call as a female? Supervisor, is that something that you think about, or or even once the ball starts rolling, is that something that you felt? Oh, this person is kind of challenging me because mm-hmm. I'm a female. It's not something that happens initially, mm-hmm. but I find that when you tell somebody to do something that they don't necessarily want to do, that's when you feel it the most, and they tend to challenge you and your authority. Or they attempt to, I should say. They don't actually do it. They mm-hmm. attempt to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times it's because you're a woman. Wow. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, race also plays a part in it. Wow. At the, you know, the police department is still primarily um, white male. Mm-hmm. And when you, as a black female, go mm-hmm. to address a white male, sometimes they have an issue with it as well. Wow. That's, that's it. But now, well, let me let you touch that as well. For me, I'm, I always... You know, expect it to be there, but it's not It's not something that affects the way I go into a room. I go into the room the same way I would any room. Um, sometimes leaving the room, you say, well, that went different. Um, or I seen some stares, blank stares, that, that made me know that people were made that surprised by seeing me. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really affect the way I go into a space. I go in, you know, mm-hmm. however I, I feel I should enter. And then whatever happens, happens, and I mm-hmm. deal with it as it comes. But mm-hmm. it doesn't change the way I enter. Mm-hmm. I don't let that really get into mm-hmm. my mental space. Mm-hmm. You know, based on who's in the room and what are they going to think of me. Does it push you guys harder to know, like, I'm female, and as you know, I'm a black female. Does that push you harder to say, I, you know what, I want to push this thing a little bit more? Does that is that an influence, or is it just, I just want to do this for me? 
Well, for me, I think, you know, you already know. I mean, and it's not just black female. I mean, black males have to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's unfortunate, but we always have to work a little bit harder. We always have to present ourselves a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it's just like, you know that going in, right? You have to know it. I mean, if you walk in the streets or you just live in life, then you know it comes. Um, But I don't think... You, you have to let that take over how you react yes. to stuff. Yes. You know, you you have to not condition yourself to, to be forced to say, hey, listen, I, I have to do this because this is what they're going to think of me. You just, just, just always focus on doing the best for you. Yes. And let that, you know, transpire into whatever it's going yes. to be. Yes. And keep you know? pushing. And keep pushing as high as you can get and as far as you can get for yourself. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and not letting your race or your gender um, play into that. Mm-hmm. You know, you should just always be pushing for the stars regardless, I in agree. my opinion. I agree. You I know. agree. You know. Mm-hmm. This always happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we get into a conversation and then I'm like, what? You forgot well, the question. I'm like, what did he? <laughs> no, that's okay. We were just talking about the influence of, you know, being a female and, and, and being black. Does that is that something that makes you say, you know, I gotta really push this thing a little bit harder. I gotta push it just to prove, or is again, is it just about you? Well, it's never just about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's I say I have to push it further and harder because it's just one of those things. Like in my position now, I walked into a place, and in this day and age, I'm the first female executive that ever worked mm. there. I didn't even have a place to change mm. into my uniform because mm. they didn't expect. To ever have, I guess, a female mm. executive work at that particular place. Mm-hmm. And then to walk into roll calls. And um, I don't necessarily think there's negative stares. It's just like stares of amazement almost. Mm. And then you see the young cops looking at you, uh, black, white, whatever, female mm. in general. And mm. they're like, wow, how did she get there? We can actually I get love there. It. I love so it. I, love I it. have to stay here i have to go I for it. it i have to push it harder mm-hmm. i have to let people know no 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 it, it's ways you can do it look me and my sister we came from this I environment and it. look where we are like mm-hmm. and we're not done yet mm-hmm. i'm still trying to convince her to take the next level but not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see but yeah and like even when i go to mm-hmm. community events mm-hmm. like the the stairs they look and then all of a sudden they're like you see the pride that they have in I their faces it. so mm-hmm. yeah you it's not just for me mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, t- it, I totally it, love it yeah, it's not just for me. That's really, really um, such an important piece. Again, that example that you guys give. And I go back again and I rewind this thing all the way back to the beginning when I asked you guys about your influence. And you both mentioned your mother. And, and the qualities that you both stated is qualities of your mom. We say, yo, my mom's worked. Regardless of the situation, mm-hmm. she kept pushing forward. She didn't really give us an opportunity to make excuses. And that's mm-hmm. clearly, you know, was something that has rubbed off on you guys, and that gives you that, mm-hmm. that you know, what we have to, we have to, we have to keep going, we have to keep going. And I really admire what you guys are doing because a lot of times, you know, in in your position, yeah, you can kind of sit there and make up a lot of excuses and oh, you know, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you guys continue to keep pushing forward, and that is something that I think is is so important uh, for people to hear. And so I want you, uh, and, uh, as we close, I want you guys to talk to the young ladies. The young girls out there who are, maybe they want to go in law enforcement, whatever it is that they want to do. I want you guys to give them something 
to say, you know what, this is what you have to do. From your experience Mm -hmm. of where you guys came from to where you are now, what are some of the things that you would tell young girls as they start their journey to be able to push through? I love entrepreneurship, and I love Mm -hmm. people who are trailblazers. That's one of my – I love people who are trailblazers because – they, they say to walk by faith and not by sight. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able mm-hmm. to do that, to do something that's new and unseen. That's the hardest thing in the mm-hmm. world to be able to do. Like, I don't have an example for that. So it's a powerful thing for you to tell me, you know, I walk into a room. I walk into this place where I'm working at right now, and they don't even have facilities for me to use. That's trailblazing stuff right there. I you, Listen, you're going to have to make something for me mm-hmm. that's never been done before. You're going to have to do that for me. That's a powerful, powerful testimony. And to be able to do that. But it's hard. Because mm-hmm. that's intimidating sometimes. It's like, I got to go and tell you, you got to change this facility for me? Mm-hmm. Tell me about the journey. What would you tell young girls coming up mm-hmm. as they push towards in life, reaching their life's destination? Um, well, first... My, my my number one thing is education. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you have to go to college, although I do suggest it, but mm-hmm. you have to educate yourself um, because without knowledge, you don't have power. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is my thing. I'm always on top of people just, um, just learning something new mm-hmm. um, and believing in yourself, uh, believing in your journey. I think that's very important because nobody's going to fight for you harder than yourself. Absolutely. Um, mm. So you have to believe in what it is that you want to do, and you can't listen to people when they tell you it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, those things are yes. something that should push you forward mm-hmm. um, because you can be the first person to ever accomplish yes. that, and you have to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, you got to keep pressing on. You are going to fall, but how you get mm-hmm. up is how you should be measured. Mm-hmm. And what your strength is going to be. Mm-hmm. If you fall and you fail and you say, okay, I'm just going to quit, um, you have to learn how to over, overcome that and mm-hmm. get up and try again. Because mm-hmm. everybody who is successful failed at something first. Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. so those are my like big three things. Like You just have to educate yourself. You have to push yourself. You have to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and not be afraid to fail. Everybody fails at something. You better believe it. I call it setback. Never. Yeah. Failure <laughs> never. Always mm-hmm. setbacks. Well, the beauty of us being siblings, we have the same mindset for the most part. Yes, yes. But uh, Mm -hmm. but I I always say believe in yourself, Mm -hmm. Uh, believe in your dreams. Uh, I used to tell people that that I'm going to be a chief, and they would laugh. They would laugh. I was a cop, and I would tell people, no, I'm going to be a chief. Mm -hmm. And they go, (laughs) impossible. Mm -hmm. And at the point that I am now, yeah, it's taking some time, but Mm -hmm. I've taken myself to the very last place that I can get to on my own by Mm -hmm. taking tests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... It's about three more promotions, mm-hmm. but I still believe it. And I'm a lot closer to it than I was. Absolutely. So you have to believe in yourself. If mm-hmm. I thought that, mm-hmm. if I thought what people said when I was a cop saying, yeah, I'm going to be a chief, I would have never studied. And I would never have gotten to wow. the, the place that I am now. Wow. Um, it's not going to be easy. No, nothing It's is. not going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And nothing worth having comes easily. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. It's dedication. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to accept rejection. Sometimes it's not your time. <laughs> It's not your time, and you just got to accept it, but keep going. Mm-hmm. And, and and just do your best. As long as you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I did my best, and I didn't mm-hmm. step on anybody to get there, mm-hmm. you're doing all right in the world. And mm-hmm. where you start, where you, you know, your um, journey does not always have to end where you began. Yes. Right? So mm-hmm. we came from, 
you know, yes. housing developments, a.k.a. projects in, yes. you know, New York City. But, you know, we've excelled. And so yes. where we came from did not determine where we are going because we're not at the end yet. And it's just a beautiful thing because no matter where we're at, it's always the mind. Mm-hmm. It's always the mind that takes us to the next level. And I, I just, you know, really credit, you know, your influences of being able to push you guys to continue to keep going. I think we have a chief in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Maybe for sure. two or three. No, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Well, definitely this is where two. I'm stopping. <laughs> definitely two. Um, but I'm very proud of you guys, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that you guys came to be able to share this with us because I think it is very, very important for the world to hear, but especially for women. I think it's important, and, and you know what you guys share, and that being able to walk into a room and have that presence because I felt it. That's why I wanted you guys mm-hmm. to, to be here. Whenever I feel you guys come into a room, I see you guys come into a room, I feel that. And I want the world to be able to feel that and to not only feel it, but I want them to hear it and hear where it came from. You guys mm-hmm. did such a great job of being able to put that over um, to the listeners. So we want to say thank you to the mm-hmm. boss sisters <laughs> uh, for coming down and sharing this time with us. And we will see you guys right here again next week on the Mental Conditioning Gym Podcast. Thank you, thank, thank, you. You, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, <laughs> ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You're